Ordinary people under extraordinary pressure, Mike. What the hell do you expect? The greatest movie of all time? Today on the show, The Insider. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the human suplex machine, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, the big Deck Boski. No, Rick Boski. Shit, I fucked that up. Deck Boski. <laughs> all right, let's move on. I think we're sticking with Deck Boski. <laughs> so we're going to watch every single movie ever made. We are going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I'm excited to talk about uh, the Insider Day as we Michael man up for the first time. That might make one of us excited about it. But let's really? Uh, you didn't like it? Okay. I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't All right. This will be a fun episode then. So uh, this, is our, this is our fourth Best Picture nominee from 2000, fourth of five. But before we get to that, let's take care of some business. Last week, we welcomed my wife, Jen, onto the show, and we used at least two senses to take a deep dive into the sixth sense, and I've gotten some great feedback on that one. So you can listen to that one or any of our library on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use. Subscribe and review if you can. It's super helpful to the show. And uh, you can always reach out to us on social media. We are the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, at Great Cast on Twitter, we are at Rick and Rec on Instagram. We got an update in there. I'm psyched to see it. And uh, you can email us always at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, as one of our oldest friends, Bruce Wayne, would say, tell your friends about us. So now that we've made it uh, out of our, our ghost encounter alive, let's turn on 60 Minutes with The Insider. Uh, the Insider is a 1999 Michael Mann-directed drama uh, based on a true story starring Al Pacino as Lowell Bergman, Russell Crowe as Jeffrey Wigand, and Christopher Plummer as Mike Wallace. It's got a 7.8 on IMDb, a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 84% on Metacritic. So this was, this was my first time seeing the movie. This was uh, yours as well? Yeah, this was my first time seeing it. I, for some reason, was thinking about another movie Al Pacino was in, but he's with... Um that Irish actor uh, who's playing the Penguin in the new Batman movie. Colin Farrell? Uh, yeah, he's in a movie with him, and I saw that once. And for some reason, I was thinking of that movie and not what this movie was. So, But again, my first ever time seeing this recently. So, yeah. Al Pacino and Colin Farrell, what, they, what were they in together? I forget what it's called. It wasn't the greatest movie, but there was, a, a, there was two really, really good scenes. Uh, the, one recruit, where, the recruit the recruit yeah, yeah. one where uh, one of the somebody was driving a car and there was a girl in the passenger seat and he stopped short and she went like through the windshield and it was insane it was insane and then i don't want to ruin the ending of the movie but uh there's there's a pretty cool ending too um, well we're not talking about the recruit today we're talking not. about the insider the oscar nominated movie here and not the 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 most remembered movie so i think some of our listeners could use a refresher or a, um, a description if they haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, check it out, make up your own mind so you, you can keep up with this episode. Let's throw 30 seconds on Derek's Spotify as I tell everyone what happened in the movie. Derek, 
what song have you chosen for this one? This will, this will foreshadow the next episode of the greatest album of all time podcast that me and G are doing next. And this song is going to be one of my favorite songs by the band The Clash, Train in Vain. All right. Count me down. Three, two, one. Lowe Bergman, a producer for 60 Minutes, solicits an interview from Jeffrey Wigan, a former tobacco, tobacco executive. Turns out he has the dirt the CEO, former employer, perjured himself in front of Congress. The company, Brown Williamson, appears to threaten Wigan, only steal, stealing his resolve when his family leaves him. CBS pulls the plug on the interview when a legal threat may jeopardize the sale of the network. Bergman reveals to the New York Times putting, th- putting enough pressure on CBS to eventually run the interview. Bergman eventually resigns, and the reputation of the show is stained. 26 seconds. All right. So let's talk about, now that we know what happened in the movie, let's talk about what we liked about it. So Derek, what was your number three favorite scene? My third favorite scene in this movie um, was when Jeffrey Wygand is playing golf. And while he's playing golf, uh, somebody else is playing golf sort of near him, but kind of far away. And it's very kind of disturbing. Every time the other guy takes a shot, you know, with, with, his, with his club. Uh, he looks over it at, at Russell Crowe's character, kind of like uh, a little disturbing, and you're wondering what's going to happen. And the lights shut off at one point. Um, they get back in their cars. You just, you, you, like a lot of things in this movie, you expect something violent to happen, and it's very intense. And Russell Crowe then, you know, screams at the guy, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, stay away from me. And it was a pretty intense scene. So that made my number three. Yeah, the, the tension of that scene is. Uh, is is excellent the sort of the paranoia that uh, that Jeffrey Wagon's going through at that point really just ramping up there. Before I get to my number three, I have an honorable mention, and I it's one of the first scenes in the movie where Mike Wallace basically picks a fight with uh, like Hezbollah leaders. Yeah, that was great, and you know that Mike Wallace is just not there to fuck around throughout the rest of the movie. It's great, Absolutely. and that's and that's one of the the my favorite things. And we'll visit that about this. And any Michael Mann movie that we're going to cover, like think about Heat, where it's just everyone is just incredibly competent at whatever they do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's great. Everyone's an expert. It's like you feel like you're in safe hands with every character. But Indeed. my number three scene is the scene in the boardroom where uh, the CBS executives, CBS corporate executives, played by uh, – Gina Gershon just and that's like another Michael Mann thing where just a, a character actor will come in and just no pun intended just throw heat and <laughs> you know she is just the super like ice cold corporate character and she's and, sexy while doing it too well I mean she, she's in everything she's a, she's a very uh, very attractive woman but she's I mean and Pacino is just all heart in this movie as well. So just the, the juxtaposition of those two characters, like just, just Pacino, just go going full Pacino in, you know, in this, in this movie, a lot of times. And it's, I think it's, it's something that this scene sort of makes the movie relevant today because you can see corporate influence on the news and you have to sort of look and, you know, in, in a world where a lot of news sources are owned by these huge conglomerates. Yeah, for sure. You, you know, know, it's funny. I think Rip Torn is in this scene as well. 
I saw his the credits and I he's and in the, I he's in the background and and after the movie was over I was like uh okay I still haven't seen Rip Torn and the movie's over and then I, I I looked him up on Google Images I was like Rip Torn the Insider and it was it showed a picture of that boardroom scene he was like the third guy in the background and I was, was like just, okay they could have just gotten anybody else he was just there ripping and tearing right <laughs> uh, so what's your uh, what's your number two scene my number two scene was the scene that uh, Mike Wallace gives his sort of like monologue to Al Pacino's character in the, the I guess, the, the hotel room or wherever he was at at the time, uh, kind of about like the end of your life. Like, what do you do at the end of your life? Do you, do you look for the future? Do you, you know, decide to make something great now? And I just, I liked, I just like uh, Christopher Plummer's, his pauses, the way he, he looks around. He's just a very, he's a very yeah. strong, strong actor. And I was glad that they gave him this moment because he totally deserved it. And I kind of wish there were a couple of more moments of, uh, with his character doing things like this. But I really like the relationship between Mike Wallace and Lowell Bergman in this movie. And I thought that monologue was excellent. So that was my number two. Yes. Yeah, I love that because that, that's a scene you, you kind of want to hate Mike Wallace because he sides against Lowell before that. And he, you just can't because he explains himself. Basically, like, listen – when you're where I am, you have to take a minute to think about something. You can't make these gut reactions. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it was like, don't think with your heart, think with your brain type yeah. thing. And, and it, it, it just goes to show you, like, you know, Mike Wallace has those, you know, several decades of experience yeah. to teach to somebody else and be like, don't do that, you know, so. And again, it's these, it's, it's these, these Michael Mann characters. You can, you can see every perspective. You know, there's, it's, you know, other than Dumbledore himself, the tobacco executive, you know, no, there's nobody who's like mustache twirlingly evil. Right, right. You know, nobody, nobody is trying to hold, you know, even if somebody's making a selfish decision, nobody's like, well, f you know, you'll never sell your news. <laughs> right, that, that's, right. that's not what this movie is. And I really like that about it. So my number two scene is the uh, deposition of, uh, of Wygand where the lawyer just does not fuck around and it's just an excellent like that guy i've seen that guy's face forever it's an actor named bruce mcgill was he the one who was in uh, my cousin Vinny? yes he was yeah. excellent he was excellent he was he was great and he doesn't it's similar like similar sized role to gina grishan where they have like a couple smaller scenes where they're mostly background players and then like one one scene where they're kind of the centerpiece of it yeah very effective smaller scene yeah yep and he's just like it's that great lawyer scene that where he's just like you know in the great state of mississippi or whatever you know state they're in and it, you know that may be that may be how it is in north carolina but down here it's oh it's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just like he just absolutely rips into the the fucking tobacco industry lawyer it's like oh you signed a you signed a release and you know you can't you can't say anything you can't go back to your you know kentucky or whatever state it is i wish i took better notes as to what state it is but i didn't think of it. Uh, a, i love when he there's a point where he like blows up and he's like well, don't smile or something like that i forget what yeah, he says yeah it's like so intense you almost don't even see it coming yeah and it really gives because this is a guy who we see a little bit of his story but he's been working on this case for quite some time. And yeah, what you see in the sort of the end of the movie and like sort of the, the, you know, post, I don't know even what you call it, like the, uh, the, the captions at the end of the movie where right. it's like, he ends up winning like billions of dollars from the tobacco industry. You know, it's just something ridiculous like that. 
and it's like, oh yeah, I get it. Like he was not there to fuck around, and and you definitely see that in that movie. So uh, or in that scene, what is your uh, what's your number one scene? My number one scene was the phone call that uh, Lowell Bergman sort of forces Jeffrey Wigand to take in his like hotel room, and um, the the I think it's like the hotel people are outside the door and they're just like they hand him the he grabs the phone and takes it and he's yelling at Bergman. He's saying, you know, you're a liar, all this stuff. You know, you you forced me into this and things have to calm down. And Pacino's character says the best line of the movie, in my opinion, which is, "We're running out of heroes, man. You were in short supply." And I thought that was really, really, really good line. I thought it was emotional. At, at that point, you really feel like uh, Wygan understands the situation. He understands what Bergman had to do to, to get where they were at. Um, it's pretty powerful. And uh, I think it, at some point, I think at the end of that scene, uh, Bergman's even like in the, in the ocean, halfway into the ocean with his phone in his hand. And it's like just a very intense scene, uh, very well acted by both. Um, so that's, um, that's my number one. Yeah, no, that's a great scene, and and I do wonder with Bergman because I took that that line, and maybe I'm just a, sort of a pessimist, is sort of uh, almost manipulative. Whereas, like, this is a guy who will do anything to get what he needs for the show. I don't know. I, I didn't see his character as manipulative throughout the whole movie. I, I really did think, especially toward the end. I mean, he literally quit. Well, he he quits because like. In, in a way, it's like you, you, you want to say, oh, he quit because it's the right thing to do. But also he, the reason he gives her quitting is like, my word is shit now. Because, like, maybe, maybe. You know, it's it, – that's – so it's, it's walking that fine line. I think you could take it either way. So my favorite scene is the, the scene where Bergman reveals that CBS is up for sale, and that's causing, he believes – CBS corporate to get 60 minutes to back off of airing the Wigand interview. That was, yeah, that, that was a runner up for me for sure. That was, that was great. Yeah. And it's just, again, Pacino going absolutely full Pacino. And this is before he kind of became like a joke for a little while. Yeah. Where he's in these like shitty comedies and these like direct to DVD bullshit. This is before that, but he is still in that like, Ooh, ah, nineties Pacino. Uh, yeah. sort of thing and he's losing it and he's like and Gina Gershon is set to make 1.5 million and the guy from fucking Groundhog Day is set to make 750,000 and he's losing his mind and Mike Wallace is just like lol I'm with them on this one and it's such a, just a punch to the gut right right where it's just like he's Pacino, like just all the steam comes out of Pacino all at once, and it's such a beautiful moment, and I I just love it. it really was was, you know, and that's that's one of the, the the another scene where you're like, is this? He just doesn't like the restrictiveness of this, you know, corporate overlord, or is he really upset personally for Wygand, mm-hmm. and how you know we're fucking this guy over. Or is it how they fucked him over? It's it's just I yeah it's a lot of things to love about this movie my uh, my opinion, but that's what we liked about the movie. Let's talk about our least favorite part. And Derek, seemed like you made a comment there. Maybe you had some some yeah, uh, got, bigger criticisms some, than I. But what what I do got, you got here? Uh, yeah, I got some stuff to say about that. So Michael Mann, you know, he did Heat, and I you know I can compare these movies because I think they're probably the only Michael Mann movies I've seen, and unless I'm wrong. But uh, this was this movie's slow and it's long, um, and it doesn't really get to the point 
it doesn't really get to the point of it until like the very end if it's two and a half hours in and you're like, all right, finally we get to what it is. And that's fine. I understand that that's the way the script was written, the way the movie was meant to be. Um, it didn't really end in a big like climax. It was kind of like, oh, we quit. All right. Um, every little detail in this movie was not needed. Every phone call, every boardroom meeting, every this, it was like, is anything going to happen in this movie? Like, cause you know, things build up and things are intense and things get dark, but they don't really get anywhere there. Unlike a movie like heat where like things happen. I'm not saying specifically that people die because that is something that, you know, while watching this movie, you're expecting like something's going to happen, especially in that like hotel room, you think Russell Crowe's character is literally going to off himself. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. He's thinking about his little girls. He's sitting there. He's not moving. You're like, did he cut? Did he? Did he slit his wrist? What the hell's going on? Sure. And none of those moments really happened. And I was like, that's why I feel like in this sense, I feel like this isn't a movie that I'd watch again. I feel like I saw it. it nothing really happened that was intense enough for me to go back and be like, wow. Except for like small acting things that were pretty good. I, I found it maybe 40 minutes longer than it should have been. Um, an hour and a half in, I was like, there's an hour left in this movie. I really hope some big things happen and nothing really happened for me. So I didn't dislike the movie. I didn't love it either. So that's what I got to say about that. So I, I agree. It's, it's a little, it's not as streamlined as it could be. I think cutting 40 minutes, I don't know where you'd cut 40 minutes out of it. I think there are certainly scenes you could cut and, and certain, certain characters you could cut. I don't think we needed to see like we didn't need the plot really where we didn't need to see the scene where his daughter has an asthma attack that was really bizarre and so and i get what you're like yeah how does that tie back in kind so of so i know how it ties in you know, and i understand why it's there but there's a like a line when wygand and and bergman are, are talking in the car and he's like my my kid has asthma i can't lose this it's more pressure on him where he's like, I can't lose this, my health insurance by breaking this non-disclosure agreement right, right? because my kid has asthma. But him just saying that, that, that would cover, you don't need, you know, you can, there's a little bit of fat on the movie. I, that I agree I, with. I, I yeah. will say one more thing too to add on is that like, I, especially the end of the movie when they show you like before the credits, they give you like a little bit like what really happened. And they're kind of, in so many words, they're kind of like, okay, we understand we fabricated this movie a lot and this is not actually what really happened. But if, if that's the case, maybe add in a more intense sequences um, because when you're sitting there for two and a half hours, something's got to happen besides Pacino raising his voice. That's all I got to say about that. See, I think it was the, – the other stuff that I, I think could have been sort of cut is, I guess, what would be the more – you know, maybe, maybe I thought just like I was just more into the boardroom stuff than you were because – I like that stuff. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, big, I'm a big scene – a fan of those because, things. Because, when, because, they, when they're surrounded by action sequences or intense sequences, that makes it better. But if they're just – all leveled out and then Pacino gets angry a few times. It's not enough for me to be like, this movie's a gem, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, that, see that stuff does work for me as like being intense enough because what, you know, you're, I feel like what you're saying is like, we have scenes where Russell Crowe's like going out in the backyard with a gun and it's like, well, we already know he thinks he's being watched. Right. And it's just like, Oh, it's like, Oh, it's a raccoon. Like that's a move that like, that's a scene that I think could have been cut. And we'd still get it. I, I do wonder how much they were like, all right, listen, Russell Crowe's a big star. Al Pacino's a big star. We need to get more of both of them. You know, they need to, they need to be relatively equal so one doesn't, like, outshine the other one. That, that could be. 
but yeah, Possibly, and and yeah. and the other thing is like Michael Mann is. I do wonder if there's like another cut of this movie out there because he constantly goes back and like tinkers with his movies. Yeah, you know. So I, I do wonder if he's he's gone back and something like that. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I mean, it, the the other thing is I didn't especially love the the very final scene where Pacino's walking out because just it's it's the music specifically in that which is like late 90s butt rock I don't even remember it I, I guess maybe now that you mentioned it maybe it's fine a little awkward yeah yeah it's just weird it's like he's like yeah I'm leaving which which I think is a great ending for the character but then it's just like here's some guitars and he's walking out and I was like this is yeah, this does not fit the mood of the rest of the movie. I remember it being a bit cheesy, yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, that jumped out at me. Now, you know, we talked about what we like now. We talked about what we don't like. Let's talk about who we think deserves the medals here in, uh, you know, in this movie. You know, people who have, you know, influenced or benefited from this movie the most. So, Derek, who's your bronze medal winner? Uh, so this was tough for me. Um, I mean, for me, there was just three obvious answers for this movie, and I just didn't know how to shuffle them. I didn't know how to shuffle them. Okay. And I finally figured it out, and I don't know if I still agree with what I'm saying, but uh, as of this moment, my bronze goes to Christopher Plummer. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of films that he's been in, and I know he's a you know, I know he's recently passed away, but yeah. I know he's a classic, classic actor, and he's very yeah. respected. And I think he just gives a really great performance. Um, like I said before and in previous podcast episodes, I like watching actors and the way they pause, the way they take their breaks, the way they use their words, the way they look at, look around. It just, he's just so, you can just tell that he's just fluent in acting. And uh, I, I, this movie made me want to go out, you know, and see more Christopher Plummer performances uh, because he's, he's just excellent in this movie. And um, I'm glad that I got to see this performance. Yeah, if if you want to see, I mean, maybe his last movie. Have you seen Knives Out? I did see that. Yeah, I, yeah. I did like I did like him in that a lot. Yeah, Although he's great. I, the, I didn't. I, I can't say that I loved the movie, but I like. Ooh, that'll be a fun episode because I I feel like I did love that movie. Yeah. I, I thought I thought there was absolutely no twist in that movie, in my opinion. I, I saw everything from the beginning. So conversation for another episode. Yeah. Okay. So I get. A, I mean, I'm going to give uh, an honorable mention to uh, to Russell Crowe, who. Uh, I mean, he he did get a nomination for best actor, so yeah, you gotta you gotta give him some some credit there. But uh, he didn't medal for me, so my my bronze actually also went to Christopher Plummer because he is he just commands the room whenever he talks in this movie, which is you know for you know in Pacino's maybe his like biggest blowhard era is very impressive to just kind of just be so imposing against such a bombastic performance as, mm -hmm. as Pacino tends to do. And, you know, talked about that, that scene where he like picks a fight with Hezbollah who's they're pointing guns in his face and it's, it's because like he's, been doing it, he's been doing it for so long. He's got, he's got balls. He has a great, yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? Kill me? I'm Mike Wallace. And he's, you know, it's, yeah, that's great. And, and the scene where they sort of cut up an interview that he's done about them not running the story and he just blows up at, at everyone. He's like, you yeah. took the goddamn guts out of everything. Oh, he's great. Right, right. He's, he's, he's great. Excellent. He's excellent. All right. Who do, you, who do you have for, uh, for silver? 
So my silver actually, this, this swapped a few times and uh, I finally ended up with uh, Russell Crowe as my silver. And the reason why I gave him, I, I, he ranked here for me is because I usually don't see him in a role like this where he's kind of like waspy and, and it's sort of a glitchy performance. Uh, watching his facial features, the way he kind of like move, his body movements, it's unlike anything I've seen him in. He doesn't usually do these sort of like movements uh, facial expressions, things like that in a lot of movies. So I was kind of impressed by him. I thought he did a really good job. And um, he takes his time with it. Uh, you know, he, his anger doesn't always come out. Uh, he, he Sometimes he holds it in. I think he did a good job understanding what he was doing in the movie and his character development. And he wasn't full-blown Russell Crowe all the time in this. Because he has, you know, Crowisms. You know, where in every movie he seems kind of like, oh, he's just being Russell Crowe again. Uh, but in this one, I thought, like, you know what? This is a, a change for him. He seemed a little more waspy and i like that about yeah. his performance so he, he gets my silver here yeah this is russell crowe this is this is before he you know crystallizes because gladiators the next year and yeah. Oh, yeah. you know and, and after that i feel like he's just russell crowe in every movie he's in right. you know and this is sort of right before that so it's i mean it's it's you know it, it is a very good performance didn't quite make my medals but i i, I can you know not going to argue with you really too much on that. My silver I gave to Michael Mann because this is a movie where you can see this is everything he loves to put in his movies. You know, it's, it's you know, post-Heat. This is when sort of right when Heat is beginning to sort of be recognized as this masterpiece that it is. And he's sort of building on that. And he's, you know, like I said, everyone in this movie is 100% good at their jobs. That's what he wants to put in his movies. He's, you know, it's it's just it's just a very Michael Manny movie, and he's it's his stamp is definitely on there. So, who uh, do you have for your gold, Derek? Yeah, I, I mean, I gave it to Pacino, and I almost didn't give it to Pacino. He almost didn't make make my number one, and the reason is is because. He's Pacino in this, yeah. you know, they, you know what I mean? But I, I think being Pacino has a lot of benef benefits for him because he commands literally every scene he's in. He is a commander of film, uh, like somebody like De Niro. When, when Pacino enters a scene, when he is part of a scene, eyes go to Pacino. Yeah. And the only other, per I mean, when it's him and Crow, there's some excellent scenes. The only other person I like to watch, when Plummer and Pacino were together, I almost like that a little bit better because they're both really commanding the scene. I, but I wanted like a TV show where it's just the, the adventures of these two characters, like getting right. stories and just being badasses. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Uh, but yeah, like, you know. Uh, he's so Pacino's so intense, and he he's one of those actors too where he gets loud, and you're like, wow, he's he's a powerful actor. And then he gets soft, and you're like, wow, he's just he's just you know he's one of those actors where he just he can't really do wrong unless, like you said, if he does those like little cheesy, stupid little comedies that he did. Um, but uh, there's not really a lot to say about Al Pacino except that he's one of the greatest film actors of all time. And if he's not your number one in a movie, you must have somebody else in there like Brando. Uh, so uh, I would say uh, he gets my gold. Yeah, no, Pacino for me as well. It, it's he is very. It's a very '90s Pacino movie. You know, yeah, there's that era of Pacino where it's after he kind of starts making movies in the '90s and before he gets to be in these like shitty straight to DVD or like Adam Sandler comedy stuff, like where they, you know, where where he's his talents are just wasted. There's these gems, you know, where 
even if the movie's not great, which I think I think this is a great movie, but even if the movie's in is not great, he's still excellent in it. He's not on complete, you know, like cruise control. Right. And I don't think he is here. I think he's putting a lot into this uh, to this role. So I mean, yeah, I I mean Pacino gets it, and he's well deserving of the medal for both of us. So let's go to recasting. Did you have any recasting? I did. I, I casted the three uh, that I gave medals to. So it's sort of a reimagining of this movie, I guess, um, with a little bit more intensity, I would say. But I think the actors that I chose would be very interesting to see. So okay. I'll start from the bottom. Uh, let's see. Mike Wallace, I, uh, I casted um, uh, with Anthony Hopkins. Okay. Role. I feel like if you're going to give this role to somebody else, besides we're, talk, we're talking to Anthony Hopkins today or Anthony Hopkins. Today, we're, doing, 1999. we're doing this today. Okay. Doing this today. Okay. So I think that Hopkins age is really showing, you know, how long he's been doing this for and things yep. like that. And he still can be intense, uh, you know, and uh, I think if you're going to put somebody in this role, it's got to be somebody equal or better than Plummer, which is difficult. Um, I gave the character of uh, Lowell Bergman to Oscar Isaac. All right. And, uh, I see it. Yeah. I, I think that he'd do a really good job here. And I think it would show his range as well. Because I don't know if Lowell Bergman is, in fact, a very intense person or if it's just Al Pacino making that character very intense because he's Al Pacino. So right. I'd like to see where Oscar Isaac takes it. And the last casting choice I gave Jeffrey Wigand to Adam Driver. Um, I thought it would be yeah. interesting to see. I wanted to try to find somebody, like I said, waspy but can also have a, have a range. And I'd like to see Adam Driver in a role like this. So I thought those three there would make a really interesting film. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could definitely see that little, uh, you know, I, I can tell you subconsciously love Star Wars because you, uh, you uh, cast uh, two Star Wars actors in there. You couldn't we'll, be more right. Well, yeah. Yeah. I can tell that's, it's, it's bubbling up to the surface. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks though. So I did something that I do from time to time and I, I, I recast a, one role in the movie. It's not really any of the main roles, but when I feel there's an actor or actress in a movie that should be playing a different role than the one that they do, that's what I did here. And I think Gina Gershon should have been Wigan's wife instead of the actress that they, that they chose. Who, and the actress they did choose was the one who was Pacino's wife in Heat. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just one of Michael Mann's, you know, people that they, they, you know, that he works with, but I don't think she was great in this. I, I yeah, like the, the yeah. weird, like, and I understand they are from the South, but nobody else in the movie has a Southern accent. Right. Yeah. And this is, you know, now, you know, a, a couple of recent episodes we've, we've talked about like accents that are just out of place in the movie. It's a little odd. It's, a lot, it's yeah. weird because not even her kids have them. Right, you know, right. And her, you know, it's, it, I like that it's, it was funny to me that one of the daughters was the, the girl from the Pepsi commercials. Oh, J.C. Eisenberg's sister. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, all I could think of was like, oh, I just want a Pepsi, but I couldn't, couldn't do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this effective advertising, God damn it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think if, if Gina Gershon, and I feel like Gina Gershon even looks more like those, the actresses they cast to play the daughters. So, uh, uh, you know, I, th I, that's what I would have done. So, Twitter follow of the week. I found that Michael Mann has a Twitter. Cool. So what's, we're going to follow Michael Mann there. I think uh, maybe maybe in the future, do you, do you want to do an Instagram follow of the week? 
Yeah, we could definitely do that. I, I started ramping it up a little bit instead of yeah. following some people to get some follows back. I will go ahead and uh, I tried to actually rename the the Instagram account just because I felt like Rick and Rec is, is unlike the other names that we have set up for accounts, yep. but everything was too long. Maybe you and I can troubleshoot that and come up with something else. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I do plan on um, doing a post at least every week with the new episodes so people will, will on Instagram people can check that out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll focus more on the social media. I'm trying to ramp up the Twitter as well. Trying to make make a few comments, get uh, get some more people in on the fun. So, yeah, check it out. Follow us social media. So, we here at the show we recognize that not every movie, in fact, only one movie can be the greatest movie of all time. But we do also recognize that every movie likely does one thing, at least one thing, better than any other. So, Derek, what does this movie do? better than any other movie. I got to go with the editing here. Uh, this was a really tough job. I mean, there's just so many. I would say, say if, if somebody out there can, can watch the movie and just tell us how many scenes there are in this movie. I guarantee you it's a lot. A lot of small little scenes that are put together. The editing job is so difficult in this type of movie because you got to make sure things yeah. don't drag that long. Things are short enough and move into the next scene properly. And with a movie like this, the editing can make or break a film. And if the editing wasn't strong, I feel like this would have been a uh, flop. It would have been too dragged out. Things would have been slow. But they, they, you know, like I said before, I thought the movie was slow and long. I never said boring. Yeah. And I think it's because of the editing. So I, I definitely think that, that does, moving, uh, does a great yeah. job. Keeps it moving. Yeah, I, did, I didn't feel that the two and a half hours. And this is, this is a long movie. But I, you know, I, I didn't feel it all that much. Like I had to pause it at some point. I was like, oh, there's only a half hour left. And I was, I was pretty, pretty surprised. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with it. It's great editing and it does get nominated for best editing. Uh, I wanted to take a second to recognize that this movie is based on a true story and that shit happened four years before the movie was released. Like they're talking about like the OJ trial was in 95 and that, that's in, the, in the, one of the, the papers that they look at. And this movie was released in 99. No, he's, the, the chase was 94. Okay. So the trial was 95, I think. Okay. So, I mean, whatever, you know, four or five years before this. Right. Like, the fact that they, they turned around so quickly, because I feel like a lot of times when you make a movie a, about recent events, it comes off a lot of times as very, like, hackneyed and mm -hmm. sloppy. And this, I didn't, I mean, this is the, that's the opposite of, of how I describe this movie. You know, it, you know, Mike Wallace, like, I remember watching him on the, on the news around this time, you know, it, you know, after football, like here comes the goddamn ticking clock of, of 60 minutes to tell me the weekend's over. So, you know, it's, it, I mean, I, th I think it's so impressive to tell a story with this many moving parts with, you know, with this many, there's so many ways this movie could have gone wrong that I think it didn't. And that's a testament to, you know, the, the acting, the directing, the writing, everything. And it just, it's, it walks that line very well and it could have gone sideways. So, right, yeah, you sure. know, bet, I guess, uh, I, I guess if I had to phrase it, you know, best, uh, best news movie about a very recent event. I, I don't know how else to try it, but yeah, I mean, you, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Sure. So, Let's talk about the Oscars. 
Now, we're not quite there on our best picture discussion yet, but let's talk about what this movie does. So this movie actually has no Oscar wins, but it does have quite a few nominations. It's nominated for Best Picture, as we know, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Sound, Best Cinematography, and Best Editing. So, you know, I think I think well-deserving nominee of all of those. But let's talk about, let's break it down. Let's break down the major categories here. So Best Picture, like we said, we're going to talk about that next week in our American Beauty episode. Yes. Best Director. Sam Mendes wins for American Beauty. Michael Mann is nominated for The Insider. Spike Jones nominated for Being John Malkovich. Lassie Hallstrom for Cider House Rules. And M. Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. So Lassie Hallstrom sticks out like even more of a sore thumb after seeing, after seeing the rest of these. Right. Yeah, he's, he does not belong. And like this, I feel like the second we watch another movie from this year, we're... Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna knock him right out. Probably. So I am after seeing this, I really like what man did here. But I think think I gotta go with M. Night Shyamalan. What are, what are your thoughts? Um Yeah, Michael Mann, I, I yeah, I don't mind the nomination. I don't think he wins. Um M. Night Shyamalan's definitely a contender for me. Um I think Spike Jones is close number two. Was the director for the Green Mile not nominated? He was not. He was Spike Jones was nominated. That's the difference. Is the other four were nominated for Best Picture? Frank Darabont, I'm assuming. Yeah, Darabont. I think we retroactively we throw out Lassie Hallstrom and and Frank Darabont. Darabont. I mean, that's. I mean, come on. Yeah, of of the movies we've seen this year, yeah, yeah, Lassie Hallstrom out, Darabont in for nominees. But I still, I think I would, I would give it to. Man. Being John Malkovich is really good, but I think I got to give it to M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I really have to see American Beauty uh, again to, to, to make my final decision on that. Okay. But I, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay with seeing M. Night Shyamalan. I've, I've watched it. I'm, I'm ready. Um, but that's going to be a real fun episode to record. There's a lot to say about that movie. Yeah, for sure. But we'll, we'll talk about that more next week. So here's an interesting one is Best Actor. Because Kevin Spacey does win for American Beauty. Russell Crowe is nominated for this movie. Uh, other nominees, Richard Farnsworth, Straight Story, Sean Penn, Sweet and Lowdown, Denzel Washington, and The Hurricane. Would you choose Russell Crowe over Pacino in this movie? I don't know. I don't know if I choose him over Pacino. I could see where, why they would, because he, he, I guess he is the main attraction in that as far as the character goes. But, I mean... Is he the main character, though? Because I feel like it's almost two movies where the first half, Russell Crowe is the main character, and the second half, Pacino's the main character. Right, I could see that. It's tough to say. I, I think... I mean, yeah, I've, I not, I've not seen the other, yeah, the other three movies, but I, I would... I mean, do you, know, do you want to nominate both of them? Honestly, yeah. I think they both deserve a nom. I mean, I haven't seen some of the other ones, but, you know, I think Kevin Spacey deserves to be there. Pacino, a Crow, I think, yeah, I think those three, if anything, should be there. I don't know if I knock Crow out for Pacino, but I think Pacino should be there. Yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's make it the official. Until such time, we watch The Straight Story, uh, which is a David Lynch movie, so good God. Let's, uh, let's put Richard Farnsworth to the side, because I'm not going to kick out Sean Penn or Denzel Washington. Right. 
So let's uh, let's put Pacino in there. So do we give the award to either of them over Kevin Spacey? Or do we want to yeah. cover that next week? We'll cover that next week. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure to have an answer for that next week. Okay. I don't think there's anyone for best actress. Yeah, I don't think so either. All right. Supporting actor. We get Michael Caine, the winner for the Cider House Rules in what I can only, like, one of the more baffling, strangest, we, I, we, I'm, I've probably said this in, like, three straight episodes now, one of the most bizarre Oscar wins that I've ever come across. Okay. Michael Caine wins for his bizarrely accented role in the Cider House Rules. The other nominees, Tom Cruise in Magnolia, Michael Clark Duncan in The Green Mile, Jude Law in Talented Mr. Ripley, Haley Joel Osment, Sixth Sense. Now, uh, I gotta put I gotta put Christopher Plummer in there. Yeah, I gotta knock Michael Caine right the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out of there, Caine. And I really love Haley Joel Osment's performance, but if if Christopher Plummer for this role wins over him as like the you know the established actor getting the award late in life, I don't have many complaints. I'm not gonna fight too much. You know, that's I'd a pr- tough one for me. You know, I'd pr- I'd I'd probably give it to to Haley Joel Osment. But if I'm saying if, if this alternate universe exists where instead of Michael Caine winning, Christopher Plummer has won. I'm not going know, back man. and I I'm not going back and something. saying he's, he's great, but I, I have, I, I have Haley Joel Osment over him. Yeah, I guess for me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shuffle between the three of them, but I think Plummer at least, at the very least deserves a nom. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I'm not saying I'd give it to him, but if this world exists where he is the one who, who won this award instead of Michael Caine, I'm not looking at it completely confused. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm still, I'm very baffled by that one as well. I, I'm just, I'm not even like upset about it. I'm not like, Oh, this, I'm just like, what happened there? How did this occur? Haley Joel Osment got older and was like, I don't, I, I don't get why he won over me. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a head scratcher for him. When he looks at his, this empty space on his, his mantle and just turns the light on and off, like in fatal attraction. It's like, I'm going to have to kill Michael Caine. Maybe someday we find out that, like, Michael Caine was involved in the mafia in, like, the late 90s, and, and we'll have our answer. He, uh, he strong-armed some people. Maybe he did. Well, listen, if there's anybody doing some strong-arming in there and for that movie, I think, we know, uh, I think we know who it was. But, yeah, so I don't think any supporting actors, I don't think Gina Gershon has enough of a, a role to make a case for, although she is excellent in the limited times that she has. So I won't, uh, I won't make too much of a case there. But now we come to the most important part of the podcast. And that is when I pull up a stopwatch, not Spotify. This is different. This is a different thing. And I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And Derek, you're going to tell us why The Insider is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Sorry. That's Happy bit. WrestleMania week, everybody. Yes. So let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Michael Mann's nominated classic, The Insider. What can we say about it? It's a great film. It does, it does a lot of things really, really well. And one thing it does really well is acting. If you're a big fan of solid acting by three great actors, this is the movie for you. Also, if you like uh, films about specific subjects, 
big tobacco, you're interested in that type of thing, sort of a courtroom type thing, uh, it's, this is the movie for you. It, it, the story is compelling. There's great acting. Uh, it deserves to be nominated for Best Picture of the Year. Uh, check this one That out. is time. That is time. So definitely a, uh, a, a solid case there. Is the inside of the greatest movie of all time? Let us know. Email us. Find us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Do Instagram. It. Tell us. What do you think? Do you think it sucks? Do you think I'm an idiot for liking it more than Derek? Let us know. I want to know. Are, if are you, you think – Rick or your team wreck this week? Let us know what you think of The Insider. Let us know. Because we have uh, – yeah, we want to hear about this one. And coming up the next couple of weeks, next few weeks actually, we have some big episodes coming. Yes, sir. Next, next week, the culmination – of our Best Picture nominee from the year 2000 series with American Beauty. I'm looking forward to that one. I have my top, I have, I have these five movies ranked. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it next week and I'm going to tell you what I really think should have won Best Picture. Any predictions, let us know through social media as well. Derek, are you ready for that one? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I'm ready to go, go do that one. Yeah, for sure. It's and then, at, odd, like you said, a little odd to talk about, but you know, we're basing this strictly on performance, and that's what this podcast is about. But we, yeah, you know, not even looking at the spacey stuff, just as as a movie. It's even if that wasn't there, there's a lot to dig into with uh, oh, with American sure, Beauty. Sure. It's definitely one of those ones that you have to give a disclaimer about, but we'll uh, we'll have some fun doing it. As well. Yeah, yeah, lots to talk about there. And then the week after that, what what is that off off in the distance? I see in the sky, there appears to be a paragraph of text floating through the sky. Is that, is that Star Wars coming up? Mike, my God, we're doing Star Wars in two weeks, folks. Get ready. A new hope. There is indeed a new hope. We're going to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. Okay. We're, we're, Han is shooting first. Okay. We, we are, the force is going to be with us. We'll see. We're getting medals, but not if we're shooting. We should do this on May 4th. May 4th would have been the, the one to do it. May well, well, May is sequel month. It's true. And speaking of that, to set up sequel month after Star Wars, we're, we're just going to see the family for two straight weeks. I think, I, I think uh, this is where I get excited, like Rick was about Star Wars. Um, oh, like I'm not excited about the, the Godfather you know and the I mean. Godfather uh, 2, Derek. I'm, I'm just saying that I match your level for Star Wars with the Godfather. I'm, I'm well, psyched. I'm at the same level for the next three weeks, the next four weeks, because we got – yeah, I mean we got Star Wars. Yeah, we got American Beauty. We got Star Wars. We got the Godfather. We got the Godfather 2. I can't wait. And then we get sequel month in May where we're doing sequels to movies that we've done before. Oh, man. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule now, and I am amped for this. And we have a lot of guests coming up, too. Some of them are going to have several weeks in a row. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people are excited about this schedule that we have. So we're, uh, we're going to be uh, showing That's those right. out. Yep. And I want to say this now to get people ready, to get people psyched, because 
this is, I believe, our 26th episode, 25th, 26th, something like that. Once we get to 50 and we're halfway there, we're going to look back. Halfway there. We're living on a prayer. Podcast. Much like Bon Jovi. I don't know if Bon Jovi's ever ranked 50 movies before. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. John, <laughs> hey, if, hey, bon if, you're, if you're listening, yeah, if you're listening we, you know what? We have a Belichick connection. We love Belichick. You love Belichick. I mean. I love him. Okay. Like he's my own family. All right. He's brought me so much joy. I mean, I love David Ortiz, so. I think we all love David Ortiz as well. And this is our fucking city. But. <laughs> But we love, I love Belichick. Bon Jovi loves Belichick. John, if you're listening and you want to rank the first 50 episodes, the first 50 movies we've talked about, and crown, help crown the greatest movie of all time, do it. We're going to have a uh, friend of the show, Chris Bonapani, is going to be on that episode with us. And any, we're going we're gonna to kick it out to the, uh, the greatest movie of all time, Academy, as I'm calling it, which is going to be. Your, your co-hosts, your beloved co-hosts, as well as anyone who's been a guest on the show has the option to make a list. Now, wait a minute, though. I, I'm hoping that legendary guest Chris Bonapani can help us with something. If this is our 50th episode and we're not picking a 50th movie, wouldn't that make it 49 movies? Well, it'll be – no, it'll be our 51st episode. So after okay. we do 50 episodes. Gotcha. Okay, I thought it was number 50 on the dot. No, okay. it's going to be 51. So we're going to rank – we're going to rank the 50 movies we've done. We're going to crown the greatest movie of all time champion. Yes. And what is it, what is it going to be? Is it going to be Star Wars? Is it going to be The Godfather? We're going to have anyone who's been a guest on the show as well as us. Ha- or or as, as if, if you can it's prove that. It's going to be Oliver Twist. You know, you never know. Baby, it could be Oliver. It could be Oliver. Could be the Cider House Rules. You could be the Cider House Rules. Our rule. brains are going to be that day. Maybe, maybe some of our guests really think the Cider House does rule. We don't know, but let's, we're going to, we're getting into it. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's coming up later this year, but keep, keep listening. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to our schedule coming up with our, our, our guests, but get ready for American beauty where we really tear into the Oscars and, and rank the best picture nominees, or at least I am. Then we get star Wars. Then we get the Godfather, you know, the first two Godfathers and then we get sequels. Yes. So, yes. so make your predictions for what sequels we're going to talk about. But this has been the greatest movie of all time podcast. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. I have been your co-host, Headbanger Rick. And I want to tell everybody a funny story before we go. I think this is uh, the time to tell it. Uh, so not a lot of people know this, but I was in the hospital the last couple of days. I wasn't very, feeling very well. And I was trying to sleep trying to find some sleep on an uncomfortable hospital bed, could not get my sleep. So I said, you know what? I'm going to turn the stupid TV on. This is maybe midnight, one in the morning. And I said, please just give me a happy, optimistic movie to make me feel better mentally and physically, please. Turn it on, turn the TV on, put up the volume. What's the scene that's on the screen that happens? It's, I'm just sick of people being ugly to each other. Ugh. I said, why does the Green Mile at this very moment have to be on right now? And I, and I, and I watched it, and I felt, I felt upset, and I don't want to put myself through this, but I just thought our fans who heard us to the Green Mile would find that hilarious that that moment happened to be there when you're trying to find an optimistic movie. Uh, but anyways, just thought I'd let everyone know that. 
Oh, and and before we go, Derek, what do you have coming up on the uh, the greatest album of all time podcast? Uh, yeah, so G and I are doing the uh, the Clash. We're doing London Calling, classic nineteen seventy nine album, uh, nineteen song album. So we have our work cut out for us. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of marathon fun. episode. Yeah, and then the week after that, we have a guest on uh, Lee Moretti, a good friend of mine. She is an excellent musician. She's in the band The Furies, and also uh, traveled with Third Eye Blind as their guitarist. Uh, she's uh, an excellent personality. She chose a uh, jagged little pill, Alanis Morissette. Ooh, so we're gonna have a lot of fun. Interesting. And Going to the '90s before I'm back, I'm I'm offended. Well, uh, <laughs> I, was to, I was about to say this. Uh, Rick is going to be on my show. Uh, I would say within the next uh, three to four weeks. All right. I, I want to put in a request as well. My my second episode not is going to be way down the line because you just did Zeppelin two. Yep. Of the the first four Zeppelin albums, whatever is the last one left that someone else doesn't choose, I want to be on that one. Okay. I can, I, I'm not going to be able to narrow down which one of those I love the most. Well, I will say that if I had to choose four, because I love Zeppelin 1, and I, I yeah. have a real soft spot for Zeppelin 3, but I'm actually shocked that the first album we didn't do was Zeppelin 4, um, because I feel like that might be their most popular album of all time. It absolutely is, but that episode is almost... I don't want to say it'd be a boring episode because everyone would be like, yeah, it's another five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah what can I say? It's another five. Hey, it's man, House, House of the Holy is my favorite Zeppelin album, so. I love House of the Holy. House of the Holy might be the more, more interesting Zeppelin album to talk about. Right. But then I would have to listen to The Crunge. You know, give it a chance. Got, I've given that, it many chances. Where's that confounded bridge? Is that all I'm asking about? There's I'll no tell you, I'll, I don't give a fuck what the bridge is. Put it in the song and maybe we'll talk. But the, <laughs> anyway, that, yeah. we're gonna be, I'm going to be talking about Nirvana, not Zeppelin. Right. But you know what? Maybe we'll have some Zeppelin talk on that episode as well. Maybe, maybe. So anyway, I have, again, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Headbanger Rick. No, I, I think, I think, what was the, uh, what was the nickname that you, yeah. that you actually gave yourself <laughs> earlier in the episode? Was it, uh... <laughs> Uh, the big Jakubowski. <laughs> the big, yep, the, I've I said been, Jack, Jack instead of Rick. <laughs> yep, this is, uh, I've been your co-host, Rick Brasso, w- along with the big Jakubowski. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, that's, you know, I haven't been able to settle on just one. I think we found yours. <laughs> oh, God. I keep digging a hole deep <laughs> myself. The more well, Rick lets me talk, the more the, the hole gets deeper. <laughs> well, Jakubowski, it's been fun. We'll talk next week about American yes. Beauty. Keep watching, everyone. See you next week.